Who's that? Who's that pirate to watch out for? This is an interesting question, Remington. Because do you mean pirate good or pirate bad? So I I mean pirate bad, but now I want to know what you mean about pirate good. Are you immersed in a sea of business advice and education, but not sure what to embark on first? Instead of adding to the ocean of information, we're here to help you navigate it like a pro. The Wayfinding Growth Podcast will help you take a deep dive into new actionable strategies, tools, and tactics to help you grow. So start charting a course for business growth as you explore a better way to grow further, faster, with your hosts, Remington Begg and George B. Thomas. And we're back again for another episode of Wayfinding. Growth. I'm super excited because today's guest is absolutely amazing. But before we do that, let's go ahead and talk to the host that is the most, I might say, the captain of our voyage, Mr. Remington Begg. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing great, George. How about you? You know, I am doing good today. I can't wait to dive into this. We have a guests of all guests a, a topic of all topics. And today we are going to talk about something that I don't think a lot of folks that we normally hang out with and talk to maybe think about because we're marketers, we're sales professionals. You know, HubSpot is just starting to do this service platform. And so why not dive in to like the ninja guru rock star of great customer service. By the way, that's the topic today, and that is the on, the only, the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Joey Coleman. Joey, how are you doing? I'm fantastic, George. Excited to be here with you and Remington. Really appreciate you inviting me onto the show. It's going to be a fantastic voyage. Ooh, I should play a little Coolio in the background (laughs) of that, but, you know, we're always sailing along here on the Wayfinding Growth Podcast. Today, today, before we jump into the navigational tools, because I know that's what you guys are waiting for, I want to give Joey the opportunity to talk about something that is near and dear to my heart. You know, I've been thinking about, dreaming about, setting goals of writing a book. He has achieved that feat. Joey, why don't you talk to us, talk to the viewers, the listeners about the book, where they can get it, maybe the process, what they can learn in it, all those good things. Sure. So over the last, wow, it's, I mean, it's really been my entire career, but officially for the last, since about 2002 or so, so 16 years when we're recording this, um, I have been focused on how do you create remarkable experiences for customers? And over this time, I've developed methodologies and ideas and worked with clients around the world, small, medium, and large companies. And people were regularly asking me, do you have a book? Do you have a book? And I always wanted to write a book, and finally we did it. So about two and a half months ago, published my first book. It's called Never Lose a Customer Again. And it's all about what you can do to turn a one-time buyer into a lifelong customer by focusing on the first 100 days of the relationship. What do you do early on, after the sale is made, to make the interaction so incredible, so remarkable, that they want to stay with you forever, and they want to tell all of their friends about you? So that's what we've done. Been really excited about the response to the book. Thank you to all the listeners already who purchased a copy. You know, we have the digital copy on Kindle. We have the hardcover copy. We also, I always say on the podcast I do, have an audio copy that I narrate, nice. the audio book. So if you enjoy listening to my voice in this podcast, you might enjoy listening to me <laughs> read you the book. Uh, so yeah, never lose a customer again. We've had a lot of fun with it. and The response has been great. Well, I can tell you this. I love your voice. I also love audiobooks because whenever I try to read, I fall asleep. But before that, Remington, 
Uh, I got to ask you, sir, how excited are you right now that you know that we're about to dive into this topic as a business owner of Impulse Creative? Super excited about it because you introduced me to a podcast with, that had Joey in it a few, was that a few weeks ago now? But um, just the the overall, like the, the CX of everything I keep talking about internally here, like how can we leave that impact with every interaction? And so it's kind of fun. I uh, have not read the book yet. It is already on Amazon order, but it is, um, but it's going to be, it's going to be fun to kind of dig into some of these things because that customer experience is super important. And as we get more competitive or have more competition, it's going to be, it's even more. One of the reasons that I wrote the book is because I had so many clients that had realized that it was hard to stand out in the marketplace. So mm-hmm. if we, if I, if I may briefly guys, yeah, go for um, it. So we, we look at the history of business and what we find is that in the seventies, so if you go back to the sixties and you went into a store and you bought something, there was a better chance than not that when you got home, that item was already broken before you'd even used it once. Now you guys are too young to remember that, right? I'm old enough that I remember some of this stuff. So then hey, hold in the up. 70s, I'm old. I'm old. Uh, yeah, yeah, sure you are, George. So long story short, in the seventies, we come along. Uh, in the 70s and 80s with total quality management, right? And we get the defects down to zero. And then as you go into the 80s, everything becomes about price. And so the price gets as low as possible. And then you come into the 90s and the 2000s, everything comes about being online and being accessible. So we now find ourselves in 2018 in a scenario where everybody expects the top quality product at the lowest possible price available 24-7, 365. So what is there left to differentiate on? The thing that's left is how you make your customers feel, how they experience your business, how they experience your brand. And the crazy thing is this is the least copyable element of your business. They can reverse engineer your product and copy the quality of your product. They can match your price or beat your price and smack you around on the pricing. They can make sure their website has more uptime, their call center is answering 24-7, 365. They can match or accelerate past you in every category, except for experience. Because how you make someone feel is all about you. It's all about your empathy, about your commitment, your service, how much you're focused on delivering a remarkable experience. And so that's why I wrote the book. That's why I found 46 companies around the world to feature as case studies in the book that are small, medium, and large. This applies to everyone who sells to human beings. If you sell to human beings, I don't care whether you think of yourself as B to B, B to C, B to G, B to whatever. You're H to H. You sell human to human. And so what are you doing to create that humanized, emotional connection with your customers? Yeah, absolutely. By the way, if you're somebody out there and you don't sell to humans, please call me. I really want to know. I think this alien <laughs> thing might be a true fact. Just kidding. It could also, be cool. By the, way, by the way, 1971 people, viewers, listeners, that is the birth date of this guy. I truly Ooh. am the only 46-year-old that still gets carded. At, no, I don't get carded. I wish I got carded, but it's time for all hands on deck. Let's hoist those sails. Let's set a course to your company's success. Let's get on the voyage. Remington Bag, what are we going to get into next? Sure, navigational instruments. So this is a section where we talk about the tools that are needed in order to enhance this experience. One of them is the book. Um, but let's talk about let's talk about 
some of the other things that you can identify like that people need to really get a handle of? So I think under this category of navigational tools, there are two big buckets that I'd like to talk about. Number one, what are the eight phases that your customers journey through? right? What does the customer life cycle look like and how can you meet them at every step along the way to make sure they're having a remarkable journey? Number two, the second bucket, what are the tools that you can use to create those touch points, to create those interactions? So we'll, we'll address them both separately. First of all, the eight phases of customer journey. Now, I like to think of these eight phases. They all start with the letter A. Okay, now there's two reasons for that. Number one, I didn't want to come up with some wacky acronym that you all would forget the name to anyway, right? So I was like, we're not going to do an acronym, right? But what I did think is, as I started to look at the journey, I realized that many of these phases could be described well with a word that starts with the letter A. And so the idea here partially is that your customers are going to give you straight A's if you're creating the right kind of experience, nice. all right? So everybody's looking for a good report card from their customer. I'm going to give you the methodology and the practice for how to do that. Good Phase Lord. one, all right? Phase one, assess. This is where a prospect is considering whether they want to do business with you or not. Now, the interesting thing is in common language and common parlance, this is referred to as marketing and sales. In the typical business, that's how you define the customer journey. It's all about how do we fill the funnel? How do we get them interested yep. into us? How do we get them to consider? How would we get them to test or try? How do we get them to sign on the bottom line, dotted line and decide to buy our product, buy our service, okay? Most businesses, that is the entire length of the customer journey because after that, it's like, all right, they're good. Let's celebrate. Let's go find <laughs> another one, right? Yep. But in my process, the eight phases, this is phase one. Perfect. Seven more to go. Phase two, admit. This is where the prospect raises their hand. They admit that they have a problem or a need that they believe you can solve, okay? Phase three, so they, they sign on the dotted line. They give you their hard-earned money. They transition from being a prospect to a customer. Phase three, affirm. This is where they start to doubt the decision that they mm -hmm. just made. They just signed up for your product or service and brain science shows us that the dopamine hit that they got, the joy, euphoria, and excitement that this is gonna be the product that saves the day, this is gonna be the service that's my answer to my prayers, almost as quickly as they make that decision and the dopamine recedes, it's replaced by feelings of fear, doubt, and uncertainty. We call this <laughs> buyer's remorse. Yep. In this phase, what we need to do is reaffirm the decision they made to work with us. Now, what's fascinating is if we were to ask the listeners and the viewers, hey, how many of you have ever heard of buyer's remorse? Raise your hand. Every single hand would go up. Now, I said, great. Now, hands back down. I want you to raise your hand if you have a system and process in your business designed to counter buyer's remorse. Less than 1% of the hands go up. Exactly. Mic drop. Right? So here's the thing. We all know it's a problem. It exists in every industry, regardless of the size of the product or service you're selling or the investment. Doesn't matter. The brain science is the same. What are we doing to address this? So that's phase three. Phase four is activate. Okay. This is the first major interaction you have with a customer. So if you sell a service, this is when you show up to deliver on that service or you have the kickoff meeting. If you sell a product, this is when it arrives at my house or my front door and I open the package and I see what's inside. Okay. I call this activate because I want to energize the relationship. I want you to set a tone early on that interactions with you and your brand are going to be unlike any other interaction they've ever had in business, period. So I want you to really energize things as you start the relationship. That brings us to phase five, acclimate. 
okay? In the acclimate phase, this is where we really need to take hold of our customer's hand and navigate through with them what it's like to do business with us. Here's the thing. You've sold your product, your service, hundreds of times, thousands of times, maybe hundreds of thousands of times. Fact of the matter is for a new customer, they've never done business with you. They don't know what comes next. You need to hold their hand and show them the ropes. Now, some of you may say, but Joey, we have directions that come with our product. Or Joey, we wrote about this in our proposal. We told them what the steps of the system were going to be. Folks, do you use the directions when you put things together? <laughs> do you read the proposals and contracts you yeah. sign? No, you do not. Especially if you're male. If you're female, this skews higher, right? This isn't a, a stereotype I'm making here. This is the research shows it. But if you're a male listening to this, just check your own behavior. And you see, you don't do this stuff. And then we're surprised when our customers don't do it. How do they not know we were in the next step in the process? Well, because they didn't read the proposal either. Just like you don't read. So we got to hold their hand, which brings us to phase six. Phase six is accomplish. This is when the customer accomplishes the goal that they had when they originally decided to do business with you. Now, here's the surprise. Every customer has a vision when they decide to buy your product or service of what they're hoping to achieve. If we don't take the time to ask them, formally ask them what that is, and then track that and check in as we go through the process of them using our product and service to make sure that they're achieving that goal that they originally had, they're never going to accomplish. And if they don't accomplish in phase six, we never get them to phase seven. Phase seven is adopt. This is when the customer becomes loyal to you and only you. They're not going to shop with anyone else. They're not going to be pulled away by a competitor for a lower price or more access or more service. They are loyal. They are committed to you and your brand, which finally brings us to the holy grail, the coup de grace, the thing everybody's trying for, phase eight, advocate. This is when your loyal fans and your customers become your raving fans and your customers. They're driving new business to you by referring their friends, their family, their loved ones, strangers on social media to come check out your brand, to try your product, to try your service. Those are the eight phases. Now, last thing I'll say on the eight phases, every customer has the potential to go through all eight phases, but not every customer will, and that's okay. The problem is, if they don't go through the eight phases because you're not helping them. If they don't get to the phases because of other circumstances and other decisions, well, that's all right. Not everybody's going to be a raving fan referral machine for you. But you should at least get everyone to accomplish. And if you get everyone to accomplish, that should be enough to get them to the next phase of adopt. Once you're there, if you're just adopt, you have all adopters, you're doing great. It's funny, you you went to the direction of the customers might not hit all of these eight things, which is fine. What I don't want the viewers or listeners to think, and, and this is where my mind immediately went, which hopefully we're stopping them at, at the pass, does not mean that you as the business owner, you as the, the company shouldn't have all eight of these things. And oh, absolutely. Agree, yeah, and would you agree there's an actual – uh, and probably in the book, just saying people, there's an actual tactic that they should be doing or could be doing on all eight of these steps. Absolutely. So there's a, dozens of tactics they can be doing at each phase, right? So here's what you want to do as you think about the eight phases. Every customer has the potential to go through them, and you need to be ready to help them through all eight. Now, if someone falls off and doesn't make it through all eight, that's okay. 
fact of the matter is that's what's happening in your business right now. Because if I ask you how many of your customers are referral partners, it's a really small percentage. If I ask you how many of your customers are loyal to you and only you don't do business with any of your competitors, it's a really small percentage. If I ask you how many of your customers have actually achieved the goal they had when they originally decided to do business with you, you probably don't even know what the goal was, which means it's an even smaller percentage, right? So here's the thing. I'm not saying that gives you a pass to not care. What I am saying is you have to have the structures and the systems in place that are designed to bring them through all eight. You don't have to beat yourself up if you lose one along the way. But here's the shocking statistic. I looked when I was writing the book at every industry imaginable all around the world. I did research into banking, into cell phones, into consumer products, into grocery stores, into restaurants, into B2B, you know, software companies. You name it, we looked at it. Auto mechanics, I mean, insurance agents, financial planners, lawyers, etc. And what we found is that somewhere between 20 and 70% of new customers will decide to quit doing business with you before they reach the 100-day anniversary. 20 to 70%. In banking, it's 32%. In the restaurant industry, it goes between 40 and 75%. For auto mechanics, it's 68%. Software as a service is 20%. Cell phones is 21%. All of these businesses that are hemorrhaging customers because they're not paying attention to what happens after the sale. What do we need to be focused on to make sure that our customer has the experience post-sale that actually keeps them around? Because here's the crazy thing, last statistic. If we get to day 101, remember I told you how many leave in the first 100 days? If I can get you to day 101 in the typical business, you'll stay a loyal customer for a minimum of five years. That's what's available to you. If you focus on this customer onboarding early in the relationship and you make sure these eight phases are dialed in in your business. Yeah, viewers, listeners, I may have passed out during that whole session, come back to like splashing water in my face. I'm pretty sure you couldn't see it, but Remington did like a mind blown uh, to that (laughs) section. Joey, you said there's dozens of tactics. And so what I want to do for the viewers and listeners, I want to dive into what are some of those tools that can be used for the touch points uh, that we just got done talking about? I believe personally that there are six key tools you should be using to interact with your customers. And before I tell you what these six are, let me tell you, don't feel bad because the typical business is using two, maybe three of them. Okay. Yet every business has the potential to use all six, regardless of what you sell, regardless of the type of customers you deal with. First one's in person. What are your in-person touch points and interactions? And what are you doing to make sure those are remarkable? Now, some of you may say, but Joey, I sell online. The reason I started my online business is because I don't want to have in-person interactions, right? I want to sit in my mom's basement and run my business. That's fine. I get it. But Look for opportunities to create in-person meetups of your customers or your users to foster and build community. Second, email, okay? Let me ask this question. How many of the listeners, how many of the viewers, raise your hand if you wish you were getting more emails? No one ever raises their hand, ever. And yet, that is the primary tool that most businesses are using to communicate with their customers. And I get it that it's cheap. I get it that it's easy. I get it that you can track it and read it. I get that the benefits of having something like HubSpot and being connected to it, it allows you to see what's going on. But if your emails aren't getting opened and they aren't getting read, why is it that we've accepted low double-digit open rates? 
for newsletters. Why is it that we feel good when we say, we've got a 15% read rate on our newsletter? If you had a 15% listen rate on a conversation with your spouse, you'd get smacked. <laughs> right? I don't know if any of you have kids. I've got two little kids. Sometimes I feel like I've got a 15% communication rate with my five-year-old, right? My two-and-a-half-year-old. But the fact of the matter is we've accepted these statistics in our business. That doesn't work for me. I want people yeah. to be in communication. Brings us to our third one, mail, physical mail right? The OG inbox, all right? The original inbox, folks. Here's the deal. It used to be, again, dating myself, used to be you came home from work, you'd open the mailbox and there might be 20, 30, 40 pieces of direct mail, postcards, flyers, brochures, catalogs. Now there are plenty of days I go to the mailbox where there isn't a single piece of mail. Yet every morning when I open my inbox, there are hundreds of messages. That's a great point. Go where it's not noisy and crowded to communicate with your customers. What are you doing to physically mail with your customers? A handwritten thank you note, a brochure, a newsletter that's a physical newsletter, not an email newsletter. What are you doing to communicate in an analog world that will allow you to more easily stand out? Next, phone. We're all walking around with this device in our pocket or in our purse or in our hand that we're so focused on the smart part of the name that we forget the phone part of the name. Kids, young whippersnappers, listening. There's actually a button you press on this phone that puts up a little keyboard and you can type in a number and a human will talk to you. It's shocking. It's amazing. And if you have customers over the age of 40, there is a significant percentage of your customer base that would rather talk to you on the phone than text or email or chat or whatever you're going to do. Again, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with those other technologies, but you've got one right in front of you that you're not using. Next, video. All right, we're videoing this conversation. Here's the thing, video's the future, that's it, full stop. If you don't have a video process in your business, you are missing out. If you are not doing personalized videos using a tool like Vidyard or a tool like BombBomb where you can actually shoot videos from your browser, from an email, and put it right into the message and send it to your customer, you're missing out. Last but not least, gifts and presents. What are you doing to strategically appreciate your customer? Now, by the way, pro tip, if you're sending out something that has your logo on it, that is not a present. That is not a gift. It's a (laughs) gift for you. It's not a gift for them. I'm not against promotional products, right? I ran a promotional (laughs) products business for years, right? I'm not against it. What I am against is you thinking that that's actually a present for your customer. If your grandmother gave you a sweater or a pen or a hat for Christmas, with her name on it, would you think that was a present? That's great. Hell no. You say, this is ridiculous. So stop that behavior yourself. You can give things out, but just use think of them as marketing tools, not as presents. A present is something thoughtful. A present is something special. A present is something that I go, wow, they know me. They know me at a deep personal level, and it's clear that this gift is for me. This is not one of 500 they bought and sent to every customer that's at my level in their business. So those are the six tools you can use. Viewers, listen. Peace out.
Yeah, <laughs> peace out, drop the mic, show's over. No, just kidding. But here, viewers, listeners, I want to keep this voyage moving as fast as possible. So in the show notes, you're going to see that this week's episode is brought to you by our brand new, that's right, beta version of the Content Compass Workshop. There's some notes, like four questions. If you answer yes to, this workshop might be right for you. I show you in the show notes. I wanted to tell you now, but Joey's stuff is awesome. Let's keep going. Go to the show notes. Check out the workshop. Remington, please, please say you've got a firm grasp on the steering wheel. Where are we headed next? So right now, I'm thinking that this podcast is now required listening for every single employee at Impulse Creative forever. Um, so this is great. So thank you, Joey. But oh, um, so now we're moving into charting the course. So who, so let's say we want to really like grab onto this concept and of improving the customer experience. Who needs to be the captain of that ship? Who needs to take action to make it start happening? Number one, like in any organization, if the senior leader, the top of the pyramid isn't fully on board with this, it's never going to work. So if you're an owner, manager, senior executive, CEO, founder, principal, I don't care what your title is. If you're listening to this, you've got to be all bought in and you've got to lead by example. Additionally, you need champions throughout the organization in every department because here's the thing. Most businesses today are siloed. There's the marketing department, then there's the sales department, then there's the experience or service department, the account management department. Then you have some admin folks over here and maybe some ops people over here. Here's the thing, folks. I grew up in a small town in northwestern Iowa in a farming community. Silos are awesome on the farm. They serve a great purpose. They are a nightmare in your organization, okay? You should not have silos in your organization. Everyone in your company is involved in the customer experience. I can have the greatest salesperson in the world. I can have the best account manager in the world. If the person who messages me about my monthly payment is a jerk, I don't want to do business with you anymore. Okay, so the moral of the story is everyone is in customer experience. You need those champions. I'm a big fan of creating a customer experience team, right? So basically like a SWAT team that can come in and help look at the customer experience your organizations have. They have the ear of the senior leadership team. They have authority to spend money on things that matter, that move the dial for the customer experience. Because here's the deal. You may have to make some investments that there isn't clear ROI on. What's fascinating to me is in the world of customer experience, the number one piece of pushback I get is, well, Joey, what's the ROI on this? What's the (laughs) ROI? Let me ask this question. What's the ROI on bringing your spouse flowers? What's the ROI on spending an extra hour with your kids on the playground? What's the ROI of calling your college roommate just to check in? I am sick of the conversation about return on investment. I want it to be return on experience, ROE. I want it to be about what are you doing to create an experience that is so powerful that people want more of you. They want more of your time. They want more of your insight. They want more of your feedback. They want more of your product. They want more of your service. That's how it needs to be. (laughs) I'm going to tell you people, Joey Coleman has taken us to church. And here's the thing. I'm a firm believer to understand what heaven is. You kind of probably had to have gone through through some hell in life. Or even another way is to understand the mountaintop. You have to have journeyed through the valley. And so, Joey, as we move forward, I really want to know, like, where have companies historically been? Uh, they might be there now. But I'm just talking about, like, paint, paint the picture of, like, um, here's usually what companies think of with customer service departments versus 
what they should be kind of heading towards today. I've seen this again with companies around the world. The business starts with one or two people who have an idea. And that idea usually is, I want to make the prospective customer's life better. I want to solve their problem. I want to create something. I want to scratch my own itch. I want to make life better. And they're really committed. And when we start our businesses, we don't have a lot of customers. So we hold on to those customers. We cherish them. We know their name, their spouse's name, their kid's name. We take them to ball games. We call them. We send them little notes. We're constantly telling them how much they mean to us. Then we have some success. We hire some more employees. We grow. We get bigger. We have some more success. We hire some more employees. We grow. We get bigger. Next thing we know, we're starting to lose some of those old customers. But in the beginning when it happens, we're like, oh, that's all right. We added two new ones this week and we lost one old one. So it's a net win. Let's keep moving forward. And things keep going and we grow and grow. And then all of a sudden we wake up one day and we start losing more than we're gaining. And usually that's when people say, oh my gosh, we've got a problem. We need to pay attention. My goal of being on your show was I want to help people get to that point where they realize they need to pay attention to life after the sale. They realize they need to pay attention to the customer experience before things start to go south. One of the things that has been the most amazing gift and blessing for me in putting together the Never Lose a Customer Again book is the number of readers who have reached out and said, Joey, you've reconnected me to why I got in business in the first place. I'm excited to go to work. I'm excited to help my customers again, and it's been a long time. Here's the thing. There's nothing in the book that is curing cancer, right? There's nothing in the book that is rocket science. This is all stuff you know how to do. You've just forgotten. You've forgotten because you've been busy. You've forgotten because you've been worn down. You've forgotten because you have 78 other things on your plate and you know that your customers matter. You know you want to care about them. You know that they're the ones that keep the lights on and put dinner on your family's table, but you've forgotten. My hope is by listening to this podcast, you start to remember. Love it. Man, that's a good one. (laughs) Um, All right, so... So what about today? So what are two to three things that companies can get started today in order to start improving that experience? Yeah, so a couple things. Number one, take an honest assessment of where you're actually at. Let's get real, all right? True leaders, you know, I had the pleasure of doing some work with Tony Robbins, and I'm paraphrasing here, but Tony regularly says something to the effect of, you know, a leader will never make it worse than it is, but will also never claim that it's better than it is, right? A leader's real. A leader acknowledges where they are and what's going on. And so that's what I want you to do. I want you to take a baseline assessment. Where is the relationship with your current customers? What is the current customer journey looking? Number two, find two or three things you can experiment with that would make the life of your customer better, okay? Let me give you a general one and a specific one. The general one, in your business, you know, If I were to say right now, what is the thing that you know you could do that would make your customer's life easier, to make your customer's life smoother, to make your customer's life better? Something immediately came to mind right now when I asked that question. Stop everything you're doing and spend the next 48 hours implementing that, focusing on that. You know what these things are 
right? You know where the problems in your business are. You know, oh man, we got to get our billing system better. Oh man, you know, the handoff between our salesperson and our account manager, it's never as smooth as it needs to be. Or, oh man, we've got this product that every time we ship it, you know, we forget to include one of the pieces and then they have to come back and we have to send that one out. So you know what the problems are. Pick one, spend 48 hours of focus time, fix it, make it better. So that's the general thing, the specific thing. Start writing a minimum of one thank you note every week to your customers. A handwritten, old-fashioned, put-in-the-mail-with-a-stamp thank you note that doesn't say, P.S., check out our new offering on our website. None of that BS. Something that says, you have been kind enough to be a customer for X amount of months, years, weeks, whatever it may be. We love working with you. We appreciate X, Y, and Z where you're really specific about the elements of the relationship that you enjoy and the things about them that you enjoy. Thank you so much for your continued support. Thank you so much for your continued business. We look forward to working together for many years to come. Full stop. Write one of those a week. Here's the thing. If you commit to writing one of those a week, first of all, this will be the best year of your life because you'll actually have gratitude for the many things in your life you should give a blessing to. Second of all, you are going to get new business from those people. I promise you. You send out 52 of those cards, you're going to get more business than you spend on stamps and cards in your time than you can handle. For sure. An attitude of gratitude, people, like that is for some real stuff right there. And, you know, it's funny, Joey's talking about customers in this case, but I'm looking at our next section about get your weekly show notes and the monthly newsletter and getting more information like this amazing piece of content that Joey Coleman is laying at your feet for you to do better business. And I'm like, hey, the only reason I, or the only way that I could send them handwritten notes is if they actually go subscribe. So, hey, if you're listening so to this. You know who you are. Yeah, you know who you are. And yeah. subscribe. And I may, or Remington may send you a handwritten note because I'm truly grateful for all of our listeners. Remington, this is going to be a fun little section. We're going to give Joey the opportunity to take a little sip, uh, let his vocal cords rest because he's been preaching. Yeah. And uh, Remington, we're going to get into this week's Captain Killing It. Yeah, so so Captain Killing It from two points of view. One, I realized how much we rely on technology as an organization because Slack went down. Dun, dun, dun. So, you know, most people are like, what the heck Slack? But Slack's an in internal messaging platform that you can have for your organization. Um, and today happens to be at Impulse Creative Work From Home Wednesday. I'm not working from home. Um, Joey reminded me of that earlier. But and I always work from home. Always. Yeah, yeah, right. So, well, so it works. It fits today. But um, it, very interesting thing. You know, we have multiple people within this organization that are in-house, even a couple today. And just a simple sending a link through Slack can't be done. It's amazing. All of a sudden we're like, wait, we actually have to send an email or call someone or, or jump on a video call. And I literally found myself having to do a quick all hands to make that happen. But the, the captain killing it from the, the good side of things is within one minute, Slack already had a response saying like, Oh crap, we messed up. Like we don't know what it is, but we're on it. And, you know, and so you can't be pissed at them. <laughs> Suddenly you move into this moment of, I'm so glad I'm not them, um, rather than being super pissed off because, you know, connectivity is not there. Uh, but it, it makes you kind of really realize and appreciate how much that tool is because 
I look at Slack and I think of my, that monthly thing to your point, Joey, you know, each month I get dinged with that bill and I'm like, Oh, do I really need this? Well, it just got proven. <laughs> like I'm good. So captain killing it. Slack is totally awesome. And when they, when they mess up their social media and their, their service teams are on point. Which, by the way, sticking with the theme of uh, attitude of gratitude, I'll thank you, Slack, for giving me a feeling that I have not felt in a long time. And that is like I got called to the principal's office because when your boss calls you and there's not a designated call, you're like, woo And thank you for giving me that moment today. Hey, we're going to head into the Bermuda Triangle and get back with Joey and some of this good stuff that we have to offer. And... Here's the thing. There is a weird place, a, you know, dysfunctional place for many, many businesses. That is the Bermuda Triangle. Joey, not that it is impossible, but what makes it feel impossible for companies, this idea of pulling off great customer experience? There's a bunch of things that contribute to why this becomes difficult. Number one, if you look at the typical business, the people that are paid the best, that are incentivized the best, that have the most status are the people that bring in new customers, not the people who serve existing customers. You never hear about the customer account people winning the trip to Napa or the cruise. No, that's the salespeople. Customer retention people don't have a little bell that they get to ring every time somebody renews. That's the salespeople. Depending on whose research you look at, somewhere between 50 and 80% of senior executives came up through marketing and sales, not through ops, not through admin. So in the typical organization, they're predisposed to care about the chase more than the catch. Number two, we're human beings. We like excitement. We like new. We don't like familiar as much. Right. Mm-hmm. So the idea uh, and, and if you doubt me on this, just look at the relationship meter. How many people get a lot more excited about dating than they do about marriage? How many people put so much more effort into their relationship in the courting stage than they do in the married stage? OK, this is the nature of the human condition. So we need to push through that and mm-hmm. get to the point where we actually are excited. Now, I don't know about you guys keeping it on the relationship side for a moment. I admire couples that have been together 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. You know what I also like? Customers who have been there 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. To Remington's point, you're going to have highs and lows. I'm not saying it's going to be, you know, this amazing every year is better than the previous year, right? You're going to have some tough go of it. But what I want you to do is double down into the relationship, double down into the emotion. Last thing I'll say on this is, Where energy and focus goes, that's what grows, okay? In most businesses, they're spending more money on marketing. They're spending more money on technology. They're not spending more money on caring. Start investing time, money, talent, and dollars on caring and see what happens. All right. So George, you have to leave that moment of silence in there because I think everyone's going to be having that same one. You can't cut that out. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, you, you, you literally need the pause, the breath <laughs> there. <about> <laughs> it's, it's crazy because you're like, crap, 
Yeah. I have work to do. Okay. Sure. So the typical tendency at this point in the conversation for someone to go, oh man, I've got work to do, but then stop listening to this podcast and go back to their email inbox, go back to the 78 things. All right. Carve out the time, make time on the calendar, an appointment with yourself that is all about your customers. I believe if you're an executive, you should spend a minimum, min- absolute, unnegotiable, unmovable minimum of an hour a day on existing customers. An hour a day calling them, talking to them, going to meet with them, writing them thank you notes, talking to your team about where the relationship status is. A minimum, 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 no matter where you are in the organization of an hour a day on existing customers. Ideally, I'd love it to be 90% of your day and let 10% of your day be on the new customers. Because again, I said there'd be no more statistics. I can't let it go. There's got to be one more. Here's the crazy thing. So I did the research. I looked at businesses around the world. And I looked at your likelihood of landing a new client, so a cold prospect, convincing them to a customer. And when we look at that across all industries, you take the average, the typical business converts somewhere between 5 and 20% of their sales calls. Now, if you're better than that, mm-hmm. good on you. But across all businesses, it averages out 5 to 20% become customers. If you're trying to sell a product or a service to an existing customer, that number skyrockets to a 60 to 70% likelihood, okay? Not only is it better for your business long-term, folks, it's cheaper, it's faster, it's easier. I'm not trying to ask you to do something that's going to be the walk through the valley of death. I'm asking you to do the easy thing, which is care about the people you already know. You already have their contact information. They've already raised their hand and said, I want to be in relationship with you. Show them that you heard them. Show them that you agree and that you feel the same way about them that they feel about you. So now who's that Who's that pirate to watch out for? This is an interesting question, Remington, because do you mean pirate good or pirate bad? So I, I mean pirate bad, but now I want to know what you mean about pirate good. All right. So <laughs> pirates are pirates an interesting character, right? So the, the pirate bad in this scenario is going to be the person that tries to derail your efforts. All right. Now, with all due respect, I've seen it come from two general areas of a company the fastest. And this is not saying this is where it'll show up in your company. And if you fall into one of these categories, forgive me, because I'm not trying to be disparaging of you. This is just where we're at. All right. Here's where it comes from. Either the sales team or the CFO. And here's why. The sales team thinks, well, if we spend more time on the after effect, there'll be less for us. No, folks, the sales team can sell to existing customers. In fact, those are the best customers they should sell to. I'm not saying do away with your incentives for the sales team. I'm just saying start incentivizing the sales team on things that actually matter. Are they bringing the right type of customers to the door? Don't incentivize them on the sale. What I'd love to see is a commission that gets paid out a small part in year one a bigger part when they renew in year two, an even bigger part in year three, so that by year five, year 10, that salesperson's making almost 100% of the profits that are coming in. Why? Because that will incentivize the salespeople to go get the right kind of customer. Additionally, the CFO, we talked about this earlier, it's from an ROI point of view. In the beginning here, you've got to just make some investments in doing the right thing, and they don't always hit the bottom line on ROI. However, the research shows in ROI, if I can get 5% of your customers who would otherwise leave to stay, it will increase your profits 25 to 100%. 
So take that stat back to the CFO and say, look, yes, we're asking to spend some money here, but it's because it's going to go directly to the bottom line and increase profits. Now, what about the good pirate? Okay, the good pirate is the disruptor, the person who doesn't do things the way they're supposed to do, but gets the job done. You have pirates on your team. You have pirates in your company that will circumnavigate the policy to do what's right. You need to reward those people. You need to celebrate those people. If an employee goes above and beyond and refunds something without asking, instead of saying, oh, you shouldn't have gone that far, they would have accepted less, you should say that was fantastic and celebrate them across the entire organization. That's how you instill a mindset of customer experience across your entire employee base. OMG, people. I can't believe we have actually reached the shoreline. It is time to get off of this voyage. But before I do, Joey, I want to thank you for being on the show. I want to let you just kind of give a shout out to where people could get in touch with you, where again, the book, the book, the book. I mean, listen, you can rewind this episode a bunch of times, but there's a bunch more information in the book. Where do you want to send people? What are your like parting hashtag one last thing you want to give them before we close the show out? Well, first of all, I really appreciate you guys having me on the show and being part of the conversation. And I really appreciate the listeners. I get that you have a lot of shows you could listen to, a lot of shows you could watch. I feel comfortable speaking for George and Remington that they don't take lightly the investment you've made and neither do I. I really appreciate your time today. Uh, To find me, the best way is to go to joeycoleman.com. That's J-O-E-Y, like a five-year-old you know somewhere. Uh, Coleman, C-O-L-E-M-A-N, like the camping equipment joeycoleman.com. Come to the website. Uh, you know, we've got all kinds of writings there. We've got a link to our course that teaches you all about this stuff. Uh, you can get the book on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, anywhere you would buy a book. You can get the audiobook, like I said, on Audible. Check it out. It's called Never Lose a Customer Again. I'll tell you something that's in the book. Let me preview it. If you read the book and you don't think you've gotten a ton of value, my email address is in the book. You can either get the refund from Amazon or you can email me and I'll happily refund the price that you paid for the book. No questions asked, no problem, because I want everyone, I believe the bar for customer experience is lying on the ground. I believe in the typical business, the experience is blah. It's not even meh, it's blah. (laughs) Right? So I want to raise the bar for customer experience on the planet. I believe folks that are listening like you can be part of that mission, can be part of that voyage, can help us to achieve that promised land at the end of the journey where we'll come and recognize that if we make the customer experience better in our business, it forces everyone else to improve in their business, not just our competitors, but the business down the street, the other business on the internet, the other businesses we deal with. We can do better, people. I know we can do better. It's time to reconnect with why we got into business in the first place and to really put the focus back on creating a deep personal and emotional connection with our customers so that we can have a customer for life. Might I just say, I know that this episode was a great episode and here's how I gauge it. There were zero Scrabble words, which means (laughs) we 
kept this simple, which means you should be able to pull it off just saying, hey, viewers, listeners, thank you for your listenership and your engagement. Remember, if you're listening to this on your favorite podcast app, go over to iTunes, leave a rating, a review. Five stars is good enough for us. Well, I'll take four and some nice words. Anyway, whatever, just let us know. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you hit the subscribe button, hit that bell for instant notifications. And until next time, folks, make sure you're doing all that you can do to leave the dock of mediocrity and sail into the sunset of your success.